Okay, so we as a church have been working our way through the Gospel of Mark for 10 weeks. And today we've reached uh, chapter 10 of 16, so we so nearly hit it right for Easter. Nearly. And we've got enough time today just to look at one passage. So I'm going to read it uh, for you, and then I'm going to give you a few thoughts. And I'm going to read it in landscape. (laughs) So this is Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him. Kneeling down in front of him, he cried out, Good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? It seemed to me a good question. Jesus responded, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Loaded statement. You already know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give a full testimony. Do not cheat. And honour your father and mother, especially that one. The man said to Jesus, I did that bit by the way. Teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, Yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad, for he was extremely Rich. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples and said, How hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. The disciples were startled when they heard this. But Jesus again said to them, Children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom realm. It is easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom. But this left them all the more astonished, and they whispered to one another, then who could ever be saved? Jesus looked at them and replied, with people it is impossible, but not with God. God makes all things possible. Then Peter spoke up and said, can't you see that we've left everything we had to cling to you? Listen to my words, Jesus said. Anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me over children, parents, family and possessions, all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to him a hundred times as much in this lifetime. Homes, family, mothers, brothers, sisters, children, possessions, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, he will inherit eternal life. But many who are considered to be the most important now will be the least important then. And many who are viewed as the least important now will be considered the most important then. So in summary here we have a seriously rich young man. He was clearly religiously literate. He was a good orthodox Jewish boy. He was also well-intentioned. He he was asking the right questions. He'd even taken the first step of coming to Jesus, even kneeling down in front of him as a mark of respect. 
the cutting right to the crux of the conversation. Just good morality and good intentions are not enough. Even if you're a really good guy, if you're trying really hard, if you've been born into the right family, if you're successful in the world's eyes, we all need saving grace. Note the original question right at the beginning. What must I do to be saved? And in this particular story, at least at this stage, there's quite a sad outcome. Verse 22, completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad, for he was extremely rich. You know, there are many reasons people reject or or ignore or turn away from saving grace. In, In this case, it was the man's wealth. And for many, the tug of consumerist, materialistic forces have pulled them away from church, from faith, and ultimately from Jesus. In some cases, it's a rejection of religious systems and institutions and the legalism that goes with that. Perhaps we we can understand that one. In other cases, it's rather more sinister reasons. They don't like what they perceive to be moral handcuffs. I just don't want to give up this perceived pursuit of pleasure. And I'm sure you can all think of of other reasons why people turn away, walk away, reject, ignore, and are distracted from saving grace. You see, the problem was, was not the fact that this young man had lots of money, but that money came between him and God. Essentially, money had him. And Jesus was saying here, you have to make a choice. As Jesus taught, you can't serve both God and money. You can only have one true master. In the light of that, I love verse 21. Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, Yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. You see, Jesus didn't look at this young man in judgment or criticism or anger. The heart of Jesus is loving invitation. You'll be so much better off if only you can deal with all that baggage and then come and walk with me. The Old Testament commandments talk about idolatry. Idolatry is anything that you put before God. And here Jesus said, verse 23, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. 
Verse 25, and a, a, perhaps a version you're slightly more familiar with, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Big statement. Shocked the disciples. Why that statement? And the answer is because the things that you put before God will inevitably come between you and God. And for this man, it was his wealth. And for the next man, it could be any number of different things. The principle here is not that you need to give away all that you have. That's That's a relief point right there. But only if that is the root of your rejection of Jesus. If that's the reason you're distracted from or ignoring or even rejecting saving grace. And of course, Jesus rather dramatically said, if your hand causes you to sin, it's better that you cut it off than condemn yourself for eternity. And the moral, I think, is that wittingly or unwittingly, people allow the material, the, the, the temporary, the peripheral things to distract them from the beauty of saving grace, from the redeeming work of the cross, from relationship with Jesus, their Saviour. A brief story, about uh, 10 years ago, I found myself becoming friends with a businessman in a place called Collingwood, Ontario. His name was Larry. He was a Chinese-Canadian. And he ran the biggest business in, on, in uh, Collingwood. It was called the Cranberry Resort. And there was a timeshare business. There was a hotel. There was some housing development. There was a conference and a wedding facility there. And this man had undergone a dramatic uh, salvation, conversion experience in his life and his business practices were gradually being turned upside down. And from being a cutthroat businessman, he'd suddenly become the soft-hearted man who really cared for his team. And he had quite a large staff. So he, he brought me on as a sort of volunteer chaplain and the plan was going to be that on a Wednesday afternoon I was going to go and sit in the foyer of the hotel and be available for any of his, uh, his staff, his team, to come and have a chat with me about spiritual matters. And to launch this, he held a full staff meeting. There were 150 in one of the facilities in the hotel. And I got a little three-minute window at the end to introduce myself. And I essentially just stood up and I, and I threw out there the fact that it's, it's great to be busy and working and family life and all of this. But do we ever stop to press pause and to ask the big questions of life? Where did I come from? What am I here for? Where is God? And what is his relationship with me? Pretty much all I had time for was to throw that out there and to say, if you want to come and chat to me about that at any stage, feel free. And you know what? It was great. At the end of that, half a dozen people came up to me and said, Jamie, thank you. Only a couple of minutes, but wow, you've really got me thinking about the bigger picture and where am I with God and, and what's going on in my life and the challenges that I'm facing. And I said, that's fine. You can come and see me on a Wednesday afternoon. I sat in that hotel lobby on Wednesday afternoons for about a year. Do you know how many people came to see me? 
zero, actually, with the exception of one or two naughty employees that Larry sent to see me, but that was slightly different. In, in other words, when I, when I put the issue in front of them, everyone was su- suddenly transfixed. Wow, you're quite right. I need to find time and space to deal with these big things. But how quickly was it that the same distractions, the same things that were causing them to ignore their relationship with God or the state of their soul and their life, how quickly did those things kick in to the point that they were distracted again and off they went? So my previous statement, the the moral of this is that, that wittingly or unwittingly, people allow temporary, material, peripheral things to distract them from the beauty of saving grace. And the beauty of saving grace is that Jesus laid down his life, that he died in our place to pay the price for our sins, but rose victorious from the grave to give us new birth and a fresh start, resurrection life. And this, of course, is so beautifully and succinctly uh, demonstrated, pictured in baptism as we've just seen this morning. As Darren said, going into the water represents us dying with Christ. Under the water, hopefully not for too long, represents being buried with Christ. That The old you is dead and gone. Coming out of the water symbolises resurrection to new life with Jesus. And standing there dripping wet, uh, it symbolises your sins, the, the old you, your old ways, having been completely washed away. Now you're clean and you're forgiven and you're righteous and you're spiritually alive. That is the beauty of saving grace. That, that is the, the mystery, the beauty of the gospel. That is what it means to be saved. So the story today is not about whether you keep all the commandments of the law. Apparently this chap that we call the rich young ruler rather thought that he was doing all of that. It's not about whether you have money or not. It's not about whether you're prepared to give it away or you're not. And if you do, I'll I'll happily take it, no problem. The issue is whether you are prepared to see past all of that And run to Jesus. To run to Jesus as your saviour, as your rescuer, as your Lord, and as your master. I'm going to leave you just with with four response challenge questions in the light of that story. The first one is this. For you, what is standing in the way? What is standing between you and saving grace? What are are the distractions? Why have you rejected that? What is standing in the way for you? Second question is, is what is stopping you from choosing Jesus and following Jesus? What's stopping you? I've painted a picture of saving grace Why would you reject that? What is stopping you? In this case, it was the guy's extreme wealth. What is stopping you 
from choosing Jesus and following Jesus. And of course, the flip to that is you can, you can dismiss that right here and then and make that decision. Because challenge question number three is, do you not realize that in laying that down, actually you gain everything? Which leaves you the fourth and final challenge question. You can ignore the other three if you just listen and respond to this one. Will you accept Jesus' invitation? Verse 21 of Mark chapter 10. He said to that young man, come back and walk with me. What an invitation. What an invitation. It may well be for some of you that you were in that place once and and the Lord is calling you today to come back. Come back. The lavish invitation of Jesus. Because we get, as as all of our testimonies indicated, we get the opportunity the, the, the privilege, the invitation of walking with Jesus and of Jesus walking with us. And whilst the, the band, if they wouldn't mind coming forward again, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And we've done well for time. And, and we'll wrap up shortly after this. But why don't you stand if you fancy stretching your legs? It's good to get the blood flowing. And I'll pray. Father God, we thank you for the story. Challenging though it is to us. Challenging though it was to the disciples actually. And of course hugely challenging to that wealthy young man who faced a big decision. Was he going to follow his wealth? Or was he going to follow Jesus? Was he going to serve the pursuit and the increase and the stewardship of that wealth? Or was he going to serve Jesus? Was he going to allow money and materialism, and wealth to be his Lord and his God? Or was he going to come and walk with Jesus as his Lord and his God? And essentially, God, we we all face a similar, slightly different, but equivalent question. Maybe there are things standing in the way. Maybe there are reasons why, at the moment, we're walking in a different path. Today, we hear those words, come back, come back and walk with me. Holy Spirit, I invite you to work in every heart, tugging on those strings, whispering in those ears. Lord, would you do business with every heart and every mind in this room today as you issue that same invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.